My name is Jared Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and it's good to be back with you here. Uh, we took last week off to give our amazing volunteers a break and a rest. They do such an amazing job around here, and so it's good to start off this year with y'all and to, uh, to be together. Uh, if, as Kurt mentioned, we, we've had a pretty uh, amazing 2012, and we believe that God has an amazing 2013 ahead of us. And I just want to uh, quickly give you a highlight about some stuff that we were talking about last month, just so you know, and then we'll get into the text that God has for us here this weekend. Uh, you may or may not know, this church has really been built over the last couple of years on some only God stories, uh, some stories that we could just point to and go, only God could have done this. And one of those, most recently, uh, was the way that God provided for us and enabled us to actually be able, as a church, to purchase this space. And I just want to let you know, we've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks and we wanted to get it done and on the books before the end of the year. And it is official, friends. We own 1130 West Adams as a church. And so it is uh, an only God story where we're able to actually start from here to really love this city from this neighborhood and this corner uh, and to do all that God has for us as a church. We are just thrilled to be able to have that be a part of our story. And uh, one of the things uh, you may know that we talked about back in December is uh, how we're really ready as a church to make this work as a, a church seven days a week, to make this space function better all throughout the week uh, in all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different days to really extend the love of God, the transformational love of God through this neighborhood and through this city. And so uh, we said we really, as we looked around, realized we need to make more room. It's already full in here tonight. This morning at the 11 o'clock service, we had overflow and then overflow from the overflow. We had over like 55, 56 people or so in overflow this morning. And so we look around and go, we need room all throughout the week and also here on Sunday. We want to make room for folks, to, uh, folks like you and me that uh, long to hear and, and desperately need to hear about the transformational love of God. Folks like uh, a person who's a part of our community name, uh, named Damati, and she is uh, someone who's been a part of our church now since the summer. Uh, and in fact, her story is on the Let's Make Room website, and it's a really cool story how uh, she grew up in Chicago, but had moved out to California, and while out there, kind of went on a faith journey, wandering of sorts, and really honestly would tell you over a couple-year period, tried just about every major faith practice you could try. She kind of went to the buffet line of faith and just sort of took everything and got to the end of it all and just realized that she felt even emptier and without purpose or, or hope or direction, and so uh, God, through some only God kind of circumstances, really opened her eyes to who Jesus is. And in the process of her entering into a relationship with Jesus, she was brought back here and found our church. In fact, we baptized her here in this church. And what is really fun is to see how she's growing. She serves in our worship collective and she serves in our production, you know, and kind of making sure all this stuff works smoothly. And what I love when we asked her, you know, why are you making room? Why is it important for you? to sort of make room for this church to continue to grow and to reach people with the love of God. It was very personal for her. She said, you know, I'm making room for my family. It was very personal. I've met some of her family, and for her, if there can be a seat, if there can be room for her family who live here in Chicago to come and to hear about the love of God, then it's all worth it for her. I just love that, that it's that personal, that it's stories like that. And as uh, we set out to really raise the resources needed to be able to build this space out, to really have it function uh, as the church that we see God leading us to. Uh, we have a pretty only God-sized goal of $250,000. So what is amazing is that we have a very big goal, but what God has done is through lots of stories like yours and mine, uh, God is meeting that goal. 
and God has given us a better story to tell. And I just want to give you an update. Uh, as of this afternoon, uh, we're just over $190,000 that we've raised in three weeks as a church. That's amazing. You should probably give yourselves a hand at this point. Now, if you're the math wizard that I am, you go, wait a second, that doesn't seem like we're all the way there yet. We're not yet. We're just over 75% of the way there. And here's the deal I just want you to hear, and then we'll get into the word this, morning, this afternoon or evening. I blame the mint, you guys. I blame the mint. Here's the deal. We have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to be a part of something God's doing. And I don't say that with arrogance because we're not the ones doing it, friends. God is doing something. And there's not many times in our lifetime that we get to say, I'm a part of something God's doing. I may not have all these parts of my life figured out or worked out. may not all be smooth around every edge and every corner, but I'm a part of something God's doing. And we want you, I want you to be a part of something God's doing. And specifically, the thing that's closest to my life and what we see around here is what God's doing through this church. We want you to be able to make room for others, just like someone else has made room for you to be here this weekend. Just like someone else has made room for you to grow in your relationship with God. It's an opportunity and invitation. We don't want anyone to miss. And we want to hear the story of how you're doing that. So we have our website, letsmakeroom.org. That's still open. There's some great stories on there and videos of uh, folks that really honestly are just like you and me saying, I want to make room. No matter how big or small, it doesn't matter. The, the point is that you participate in something that God's doing. And so afterwards, if you want, you can give at our giving kiosk or you can go online and do that. But we're excited to see God not only give us and help us reach this goal, but give us better stories uh, to tell. And as Kurt mentioned, I just want to let you know, if you're new around here, we have a great opportunity for you right after the service tonight uh, called Next. And uh, it's a great environment for you to figure out a little bit more about what this church is all about. Maybe you've got questions about that, how you can be involved, how you can grow in a relationship with Jesus, which we're going to talk about tonight how to be a part of a small group, how to use the gifts and abilities God's given you to be a part of this. So I just want to say a word to you now. If you're kind of new around here, maybe you've been coming for a while, but want to take a next step, you can do that right afterwards. It's called Next. Kurt will be over there. My wife, Jeannie, will be over there to, to greet you afterwards, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. Tonight, we kick off a six-week series. It's the longest teaching series we've ever done as a church, but we believe that we have some really, really deep, rich, life-changing stuff that God has for us over the next couple of weeks. And so we're kicking off a series called Awakening. And we don't want this to just to sort of be a check the box. It's January, got to get my life back in order, got to go to church and check that box off. We think that God has invited you to much, much more than that. And so what we've done over the next couple of weeks, six weeks or so, is we've created a website called thisismyawakening.com. And on the website, what you're going to find is encouragement. You're going to find scripture that we talk about here in the weekend, the songs that we sing here. Uh, reminders, truth that maybe you need so you can continue to grow throughout the week. So you can check that out all throughout the next six weeks. We'll be sending you reminders. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, you'll hear about it. This is myawakening.com. It's how we're going to continue to grow beyond these walls and these times that we're together on the weekend. And also, as a part of this series, uh, we're actually uh, really centering our hearts around one passage of Scripture. And we're actually going to commit this passage of Scripture to memory. And you may have done this before. It may be a part of your spiritual disciplines. Maybe you've never done this before, but you know a ton of rap lyrics. So you have the capacity to memorize. And what we want to do is actually hide something in our hearts that actually gives us life. We want to memorize and commit to memory this passage of Scripture so that it actually guides and directs 
our lives and give us a, a vision for what God is awakening in us, in our lives and in this church. And so the passage actually comes out of the Old Testament of uh, the prophet Isaiah. And we're going to read this out loud and we're going to read it together every time we gather for the next six weeks. And our hope is over the next two or three, you'll have committed this to memory so that when we do this time, you'll be able to close your eyes and do it from memory. So right now though, let's read it out loud together. Can we do this? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? This is God speaking to us through the prophet Isaiah. God speaking directly into actually your life right now, this year right now. God says, look, don't get, I don't know what your 2012 was like personally. I don't know if it was a great year or a tough year. I don't know. But what God is saying is, look, don't get hung up or defined by or stuck in your past. I'm doing a new thing. And God is inviting you to be a part of it. God is awakening something in this city, awakening something in our church, awakening something in our lives, and we don't want to miss it. And so we're going to keep saying this passage over and over and over again until that truth literally sets the trajectory of our life, and we actually are aware of the new thing that God is doing. So let me pray for that, and then we'll get into the text that we have for today. God, I pray that you would help us see, not just perceive, but experience the new thing that you're doing. God, thank you for the good things that you're doing in our church. Thank you, God, for the people who give generously and sacrificially to what you're doing. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing. And so now, God, awaken our hearts to your truth. Awaken our lives to grace. Help us, God, to see who you've created us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, Kurt mentioned a little bit ago uh, resolutions. I don't know if when he said that, if you got proud because you have a great list of resolutions or you felt guilty because you don't have any or you felt proud because you don't have any. I'm not sure where you're at on the spectrum. Here's the deal. I would love for you to actually turn to the person next to you and share with them. Find out their name. Everyone's got to talk to someone, all right? So find out their name if you don't already know it and ask them, are you a resolution person or not? That's the only question I'm asking you to ask. There's no guilt. Resolution people, don't preach to the non-resolution people. You're only going to further their cause more, all right? So Just turn to the person next to you, find out their name. Are you a resolution person or not? Go ahead. Go for it. All right. I don't don't know about about you. You, That may not be your your kind of thing. My my hunch is we all kind of have hopes and desires for this year. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm a resolution person. I love kind of making my list, my goal for what I'm going to do and what I'm going to be this year. Do you know why? Because I think future Jarrett is awesome. (laughs) You guys, future Jarrett is awesome. He's going to do so many great things, you guys. And he's going to be his target weight by the end of this year. I promise you, future Jarrett is awesome. I love making resolutions because I get this idea in my head of this is who I'm going to be and this is how it's going to happen. And here's the things I have to start doing to get to future Jarrett, to be who I want to be. And honestly, on all, probably all of our lists are, here's some of the things I got to stop doing that are keeping me from being future Jarrett or future you or whatever it is. And so whether you make an official list or not, I think all of us start a new year, come into this time at least of year going, okay, this is going to be different. This year is going to be special. This year, I I want this to be an important year. And so we have in our head all the things we need to do to get there, all the things we want to accomplish so that we can actually be who we think we're supposed to be. And and underneath all our desires and our dreams, our resolutions that we may have for our lives and who we think we're supposed to be, there's a, a question that I think every one of us has to face. A question, honestly, that anyone who's at all serious in having a relationship with God has to face. It's kind of one of those fundamental questions. 
that on top of all the things that we're set out to do this year, there is one question that remains for every one of us. And the question is simply this. What do you do about the things you can't do anything about? What do you do about the things you can't do anything about? Now, again, we come into this time of year, I'm taking charge. I'm going to do things. I want to do all these things and stop doing all these things so that I can be this person. But the question we have to face is, what do you do about the things you can't do anything about? Because there are plenty of things in our lives that we can't do anything about that affect our lives, that affect our year. There are plenty of things that are just bigger than a list that we could ever make. What do you do with those things? What do you do with the parts of your past that have pain or regret? What do you do about those things? What do you do about the, the people in your life that, that at, at best maybe are frustrating to you, but at worst maybe actually hurtful and harmful? And you've tried to control them, but you found you can't, can you? What do you do about the things you can't do anything about? What do you do about those habits and, and patterns in your life that keep coming back? The addictions that you try as hard as you can to do something about them, and yet it's another year and they're still here. What do you do about the things you can't do anything about? And most specifically, as it relates to a relationship with God and what we're going to be looking at in God's Word tonight is, what do we do about the sin in our life that keeps us separated and at a distance from God? What do we do about this bigger reality of our lives and of this world called sin, which we cannot take care of on our own? What do we do about the things that we can't do anything about? This last week, we had the chance as a family to go away on a little family vacation, and we were in the mountains just outside of Asheville, North Carolina. It's just beautiful, just perfect time. And so when we go away as a family, that means a lot more focused family time. That means our kids have a lot more time with each other than they typically do. And you know what? 75% of the time, that's awesome. And then there's the other 25%, which we'll just call other. 75% of the time, our kids are sweet and great and playing with each other. And Gene and I are just enjoying basking in the moment. And then there's other which is where they're fighting with each other or where they're tearing each other apart or they're just being loud and crazy. And we had one of those other sort of times. We were downstairs enjoying some adult time, just talking, quiet, fire, nice, calm, everything. And Gigi, our four-year-old, comes barreling down the stairs in hysterics. Just, just crying and we're trying to discern, is anything bleeding? What level of crisis are we at here? And she comes up and she's doing that sort of cry, breathe, talk thing where every syllable gets a breath, you know, like, sweetie, slow down, what's going on? And she's like, you need to punish Elijah. And we're like, okay, 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 go ahead, co-parent, what are we, what's the story here? And she's like, well, I hit Elijah and I took his Wii controller and he's probably going to hit me, so you should punish him. So I was like, that was her story. Here's what I did. I hit him and I took the Wii controller. He's probably going to hit me. So can you preemptively punish him? And I'm like, you know what, sweetie? I like your style. Yes, he's grounded for 30 minutes. No, I, I, I thought that is a bold, bold move to come and pre-tattle. This is pre-tattling. 
And I just, I, I love the thought and I love the concept. And as, as I kind of think about myself and as I look at this year and we maybe were to stop and, and reflect on our lives, we have all our kind of hopes and dreams and desires and all the things we're setting out to do this year. But you know what the reality is for every one of us? We're going to fall. We're going to fail. We're going to preemptively, we can already kind of see. And it's not, you know, trying to paint a bleak picture. It's just reality. We may have all our hopes and dreams and desires in January, but the reality is we fall and we fumble and we fail. And we already know that we are not going to be able to do enough to become who God created us to be. So what do you do with the things that you can't do anything about and the things that you continue to keep on doing? Well, what we want to do is actually turn to the one who can do something about it. What we want to do is turn our attention to the one who can actually do something for us, with us, and in us, and ultimately through us that we could never, ever, ever do on our own. And so what we're going to turn our our attention to and our hearts to, our minds to this evening is the concept of grace, the reality of grace made available to us through Jesus. And so we're going to look at one passage of Scripture to awaken our lives to the idea of grace. And so if you would, if you brought a Bible, would you turn uh, actually to Ephesians chapter 2? We're going to look at one passage, Ephesians chapter 2. And if you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay, we've got you covered. There should be a blue Bible. Can you grab that right now in front of you? There's a blue Bible right in front of you. We would ask everyone grab a Bible just so you can read along so we're all kind of playing off the same playbook. Grab a pen too because we're going to be taking some notes and writing some things down. We're going to put it on the screen, but you can't really write on the screen. So grab a Bible, grab a pen, open to Ephesians 2. In the blue Bible, it's page 814. Page 814 in the blue Bible. We're going to look at what God does for us in light of what we simply cannot do on our own. The gift of grace that God extends to every single one of us, as found in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 4. This is what that text says. It says, but because of, now this is where it starts, but because of, his great what? Love for us. Because of his great, now this is where it starts, his great love for us. Because of that, God, who is, look at this phrase, rich in mercy. That he literally is rich, abounding in mercy. Made us alive, awakened, if you will, us. Made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, dead in all the things that we tried to do to get our own way, dead in all the things that we tried to do to make it up to God, dead in all our attempts to sort of get our life to where we want it to be, dead in our transgressions. Even when we are dead, he awakened us. Because it is by, what's the word? It is by grace. grace. Now underline, circle that, very important. It is by grace what God does for you that you're saved. And this may run contrary to a faith that you've grown up with, where it's all about what you do to impress God or to hit the marks for God. That's not what Scripture teaches. What the Bible teaches is it is by grace, what God does for you, that you are saved. Verse 6. It says, God raised us up with Christ and actually seated us with Him 
in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, that we are now brought into not only the presence, but the family of God by Christ, through Christ, with Christ, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the, look at this phrase, incomparable riches of his grace. Isn't that beautiful? That he might show this incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I'm not sure what your image of God is. I'm not sure of which God you see when you close your eyes. But what the Bible teaches is that there is a very real and all-powerful God who is rich in mercy, who is kind towards us, who loves us, who offers us the gift of grace, the incomparable riches of his grace. Now we're going to move to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. These are central, fundamental Christian theology right here. These are big verses. And so they, whatever you got to do, start, circle it, underline it. This is very important stuff. For it is by what? Grace. It is by what? Grace. Is it by me? Is it by you? Is it by our efforts? It is by what? Grace that you have been saved through faith, through believing in what God has done through Jesus. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works. In other words, not by what you do. Not by what I do. Not my best spiritual intentions and efforts and strategies. Not my working really hard to get God's attention or God's affection. It's not by anything I do, but by what he has done and continues to do through the gift of grace, not by works, so that no one can boast, so that no one can take the credit for God's incomparable riches of grace. This is who God is, and this is what God does. What do you do about all the things that you can't do anything about? You don't. God does. He already has. He did it. He does it. He'll do it. What do you do? You can't. Friends, you can't. Only God can. And thank God He has. Through the gift of grace, He has already done it. This concept, this reality of grace is so central to the teachings of the Bible, and to what it means to have a relationship with God. Grace is honestly the Bible's long story short. Grace is the Bible's long story short. This is really what it boils down to, is that the God of the universe would move heaven and earth so that you could have a relationship with Him. Grace is the line in the sand between religion for God and relationship with God. That's what grace does. That's what God has done through the gift of his son, Jesus, and made available to every single one of us. Grace, simply put, is what God does for all that I've done. Add up all that I've done. My best intentions and my darkest moments. My my holy activity and my sin. Add it all up. And grace is what God does to cover that to reach through that, to break into that. Grace is what God does for all that I've done. All of my best efforts and hopes and intentions cannot get me there. But grace 
does. The reality of the world that you and I live in, that Scripture teaches us, that we believe, is that there's a very real separation between us and God. That sin has brought a separation. You can read about it starting in Genesis chapter 3. You can read about it throughout the entire Old Testament. That there is a God who is present but at a distance because of our sin. And if you've ever come up into the reality of that and been aware of what that separation feels like, where your sin has kept you at a distance and you're just kind of wandering and wondering, what is this life supposed to be like? Why does it seem as though God is so distant? That is part of the reality of the weight of sin in our world. There's a very real distance and gap between us and God because of sin. And so in light of that gap and that distance, people have different, a couple different responses. The first is to look at that gap and that distance and go, well, there's nothing I can do to get to God on my own, so I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I'll deal with the results and the consequences and the regret later. Experts call this time in life college. Okay? This is, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because I simply know that I can't do enough to impress God. So I'm not even going to try. Other people take a different approach. Other people say, I want to try and do a bunch of things to jump through the hoops, to hit the marks, to get to God. And so if, if I sort of put my best spiritual foot forward and pray more, read my Bible more, what do you got, small groups? Okay, I'll do a small group. What do I have to do? I've got to go to church? Okay, I'll go at three times, twice. I'll be there once a month. I promise I'll be there regularly. Like, what do I have to do to sort of jump through the hoop to get to God? And so I have to do a bunch of things to get to a God that I can never get to on my own. And it can become an incredibly frustrating process. And in the middle of all of our spiritual exhaustion or our even spiritual rebellion, God says, look, I've already done this for you. I've made a way to you through Jesus for you to have a relationship with me. That's what grace does. It steps into the mess of our lives. It steps into all of our best hopes, intentions, and efforts, and desires. It steps into our darkest moments. And grace, what grace does, is makes a way for us. That's what grace does. That's what God does. God's grace steps in and forgives our sin. The Bible teaches that's what grace does, is it actually forgives our sin. Now listen to this. Every sin, every sin, no matter how big or small you may think it is, every sin, no matter how many sins, every sin, no matter how often you sin, no matter how recently you've sinned, grace steps in and says, I will bring forgiveness. I will forgive you for what you have done. This is what I will do for what you have done. No matter how hard you try and cover your tracks, no matter how hard you try and put on a good impression around others, no matter how hard you try and work to make it up to God, no matter how hard you try, we simply cannot bring the healing and the forgiveness and the hope that our hearts desperately desire. But grace does. Grace does. God's grace carries us through our our darkest and most difficult hours. When you lose someone that you love, it is grace that carries you. When you have a death of a dream, a hope or a, a plan that you had for your life and circumstances change, 
Relationships fall apart. Grace is what carries you through. It's what carries me through. Grace is what carries you through when another friend invites you to another wedding that's not your own. Grace is the only thing that can carry you through that. Another friend has a baby and you've tried and tried and tried and cannot seem to get pregnant. Grace is the only thing that can carry you through. When the loneliness of your life seems overwhelming and even overpowering, it is only grace that can carry you through. When we cannot get ourselves out of the rut that we're in and we cannot carry ourselves through, grace does. Grace does. Grace offers forgiveness to us so that we can actually forgive others. Grace offers forgiveness to you and to me so that we can offer forgiveness to others. The person that you find hardest to love, whether they're just like annoying to you and you just don't like what they do, or whether they've wounded you, it is only grace. That's what grace does. It offers a way for you to offer forgiveness. Grace is what honestly gives us the hope and the way when we're ready to write a relationship off. When we have our hand on the towel and are ready to throw it in, to cash in on a commitment that we made to that person and to God, grace is the only thing that can step in and save and redeem a marriage. And grace is the only thing that can help you move forward after it's fallen apart. That's what grace does. It, God forgives us so that we can actually forgive others who've hurt us and forgive ourselves for how we have hurt others. When we simply could not move forward with that person or that relationship, grace does. Grace does. God's grace brings healing to our past, the parts of our story that if the pen were in our hand, we would not have written that way. That's what grace does. Grace comes in to the pain that we have caused others in our past. Grace comes in and renews and redeems all the years that you've wasted, that you have no account for. Grace comes in and redeems. Grace comes in to the one-night stands, to the codependent relationships, to the divorce, to the abortion, to the brokenness of our lives. Grace steps into our past and brings healing and hope. When we cannot, simply cannot move into the future that God has for you because you are so tied to your past, Grace does. Grace does. Grace brings with it, God's grace brings with it a humility that no one ever seems to want. It brings humility to all of our self-sufficient stubbornness. Where we honestly, genuinely believe that it's all up to us. And if we're being really honest, it's all about us. 
grace steps in to all the ways that we are just convinced if everyone around us would do it like us, we'd be in a much better place. Grace steps in, humbles us, and reminds us that the universe doesn't actually revolve around us and that you simply cannot and should not do it all. Grace steps in to all of our religious activity in some effort or attempt to win God's attention or affection when all of your doing is actually suffocating your being. Grace steps in and grace does what you simply cannot do on your own. Grace does. And I desperately need God's grace. Daily. Daily. And you do too. Grace stepped in this weekend for me. I love it. When we're teaching on this stuff, God's like, let me give you a great story for the sermon this weekend. (laughs) And so this weekend we were at the house kind of cleaning up, doing the the sort of post-Christmas, you know, apocalypse where everything is tree needles and ornaments and all that kind of stuff. And so we were cleaning everything up and, and, um, and someone had sent me a link to uh, a sermon that a pastor I've heard about, I've never met, but a, a pastor I've heard about did. And they're like, oh, this is so awesome. You need to watch this. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I like sermons. And so, um, <laughs> so it's kind of my job. And so I, I, we put it on. So I had that in the background while we were cleaning up and, and, and sort of doing all that stuff. And I, then I remember, like, I know I know this guy. I don't know him personally, but I know about this, this pastor. And, and as he was kind of starting and getting going, it was at, you know, I was reminded that he leads a really big church, like a really big church out in the West Coast, like way bigger than Soul City. And I was like, oh, to God be the glory. And I could feel something in me like jealousy. Now, I know what you're thinking, like really a pastor's jealous of another pastor, like, that's pretty lame. Well, that's who we are. So I'm watching, and, and then, then I find myself becoming incredibly critical of him. And, and Gene and I are there, and I'm like, ooh, well, that was a rough story. That was rough. And, you know, she's kind of like, okay. I'm like, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't have, I would not have opened with that story. Um, and I honestly found myself, as I kept listening, it kept getting worse in my heart. And what I realized I was doing was I was, because of my own insecurity and feelings of insufficiency, I was tearing someone down that I've never met who lives thousands of miles away on a pre-recorded sermon on my laptop. (laughs) And it sounds absurd to say it out loud. But it's just another reminder of why I need grace. Because my heart was going to a place that believed that I had to tear him down to lift myself up a little bit more. I had to knock him down a few notches and take a couple jabs so that I would feel better about myself. And you know what ended up happening? I actually ended up feeling worse about myself. And thank God, thank God, grace stepped in. And I felt sort of that prompt, that reminder from God just go, hey, Jarrett, that guy is my son. Before he's ever a pastor, before he ever does anything that threatens or challenges you, he's my son and I love him and he's created my image. And you don't get to tear him down to make yourself feel better. That's not how it works in my family. 
And I had to ask for God's grace and forgiveness. I had to actually say, God, I, here I go again. When left to myself, this is what I do. And so I need you to do what only you can do because, God, I cannot do this on my own. But thank you, God, that grace does. That grace does. And it's just as available for me in that moment as it is for you. Grace comes in sometimes in broad, sweeping movements that literally save our lives. Where we look and go, had not God's grace stepped in, I would have destroyed my life and the lives of those around me. And there are moments where we recognize the movement of grace in our life that has radically changed our lives. And then grace comes in little moments like it did for me this weekend. Same power, same richness, incomparable richness of grace stepped into my insecurity this weekend. And he said, Jerry, I've created you for more than this. You can't get there on your own. But by my strength, by my power, and my grace, you can. I will walk you there. Grace steps in and makes a way. Makes a way. You can try all you want to sort of outdo God, but you just can't get there. You can try all you want to sort of outdo all the bad things you've done in your past and work really hard to sort of make up for what you've done in your past. But remember, Isaiah 48 teaches us, or 43 teaches us, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. You cannot do that on your own. In fact, no person in human history has ever been able to offset their sin by any amount of religious activity. It's never worked. And it leaves you spiritually exhausted and depleted. God has a better way. It's grace. It's him stepping in. It's what he does for you. It's why when Jesus came and and, and talked about this new way of the kingdom, this new way with God, and he not only taught about it, he literally demonstrated it for us. As we sang earlier, he went to a very real cross to actually pay the very real price for my sin, for your sin. That's what we believe. That's what scripture teaches That is what he actually did, was paid the price. He paved the way for grace to step in. Not only taught about it, but demonstrated it. And then God raised him from the dead and by so doing, sealed the deal and said, now there is nothing you can do to separate you from my love. You can't do anything to sort of get yourself there, but you can't do anything to disqualify yourself from my grace. It is covered and it is done. And when people heard this news, when people heard this truth, when the first early disciples began to talk about this Jesus, do you know what people called their message? They called it good news. This is good news. These are people who were raised in religious culture, who were raised in a culture of theocracy where literally politics and religion was melded together in the worst possible ways. They had heard enough of religion. And so when they saw what Jesus had done and they saw the way that grace made, people said, this is good news. And friends, it is good news. 2,000 years later, it is good news. You can't do it on your own. But God can. And grace does. And it's available for every single one of us. That's good news.
to cover all my sin, to cover all my best efforts and intentions. That's good news. That's what grace does. And so the question now that we're left with, that each of us has to answer, is in light of this good news, in light of the reality of grace in our world, what do you do about what God has done for you? I think this is the responsible, I think this is the right question to ask. In light of this good news, what do you do about what God has done for you? What do you do? How do you respond to what God has made freely available through the price of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus to every one of us? What do you do about what God has done for you? For all the things that you simply can't do on your own. What do you do for what God has done for you? Well, I want us to actually spend a few moments reflecting on that and responding specifically to that and ultimately, hopefully, receiving that tonight. And so I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as they do, we have a card for you that you probably sat on when you came in or grabbed when you came in. Can you grab this card? Can every one of us grab this card and a pen as well? Now I'm going to give you an invitation opportunity to respond to what God has done. To determine for yourself how you want to respond. What you're going to do about what God has done for you. There's two responses that we put on the back. It says, I'm awakening to, the first is this, a grace-based relationship with Jesus. That's very important. A grace-based relationship with Jesus. Not a relationship based on what I do or my best efforts or my best intentions. Not a relationship based on sort of the good works that I do. Not a relationship based on who I know or how often I go to church. A grace-based relationship with Jesus. And tonight may honestly have been, you've heard about Jesus, you've obviously come here, a friend maybe has invited you, or you're watching this online, and you go, you know what, I've been kicking the tires of a relationship with God for a while now, and I'm ready to go all in. If this good news is true, that this love of God, this gift of God, this incomparable riches of God's grace is available to me, then I, my response is I receive it. And I want to begin tonight a grace-based relationship with Jesus. I've tried it on my own. It hasn't worked. I've done the best I can do to make up for the worst that I've done. It doesn't work. But if it's true that God has made a way for me through his son Jesus, by grace, I say yes to that. And so you might want to check that box. And we're going to ask you in a minute. We're going to pray with you and for you. You can write your name and email in there because we want to help you take some next steps towards that. That might be you tonight. You're ready. It's time. There's no reason to wait anymore. You don't have to sort of get your room in order. <laughs> like what God has already said, I'm, I come into the mess. That's what I do. I can come into the mess of your life. There's no reason to wait any longer. There's no reason to try and get it all sorted out. Let me come in and begin a relationship with me starting tonight. And maybe you've already made that decision. You have committed yourself to having a relationship with God, but you know, if you're to be really honest, there's places in your life where you're desperately in need of God's grace. There's areas in your life where you look at and go, you know what, I need to awaken to grace for my, maybe past is the word that you need to write in there. Because you just keep playing that record over and over and again. I prayed with a couple guys this morning. 
These are guys who have been Christians for a while now, but I mean, in tears, I keep playing the record of my past over and over and over and over again. And I need God's grace for what I've done because I cannot forgive myself. And so you might need to write the word past in there. Maybe for you, it's a relationship, the name of someone or a relationship in your life. Maybe a roommate that you need grace for because they've really hurt you or wounded you or a friend that's hurt you or that you've hurt. And God is even breaking down your heart right now to go to them and to ask for forgiveness. And you need God's grace to give you the strength and courage to do that. Maybe it's a spouse. You're a couple years into marriage and you realize this is really hard. A lot harder than you thought it'd be on your wedding day. And so you need grace for your marriage. Or you need God's grace to recover from a marriage that's fallen apart. You can't do it on your own. You know that. Maybe there's someone that you need to write down, like a boss or a coworker, And you just need to put their name in right there. And you thought maybe when you went back to work this last week that magically in 2013 they'd be a different person. But they're not. And God may have you there in that office or in that space where you work to actually be an agent of grace. And it starts with you extending and offering grace to them, the same grace that God's offered to you. Maybe it's a habit or addiction that you need to write in there that you don't want to carry into 2013. You don't want this year to be like the year before and the year before where you tried really hard on your own to break that habit, that addiction, that pattern in your life. And you say, God, I desperately claim and cling to your grace to come in and save me. I need to be saved from this. I need to be freed from this. I need to be broken from this. And so you write that right in there. And in a minute, what we're going to do, we're going to worship a little bit together, and then we're going to have our whole staff line up here on the front of the stage, and we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. You can't do this alone. And so what we want to do is at the end of our service, we're going to drop all of our cards here on the stage like it's an altar. We're going to drop them off. The only person that are going to see these cards are our staff and our prayer team. But we commit to you, if you bring your card up here to the front, we will pray for you for the next six weeks. It would be our privilege to join with you and to pray with you that you would awaken to God's grace in your life this week, this year. So I'm going to pray for us. And what I'd love to do, honestly, is pray for anyone who's ready to begin a grace-based relationship with Jesus. No reason to wait. So I'm going to pray a prayer that you can literally copy and paste. You can literally take my words and make them your own and begin that relationship with Jesus tonight. So would you, if you would, kind of close your eyes, bow your head, or if you want to continue to write in your card, you can continue to do that. But I just want to pray for those who are ready to begin a grace-based relationship with Jesus starting tonight. I don't want you to miss this. This is life-changing stuff changes the landscape of eternity, changes the trajectory of your life. This is life-changing stuff that you've been walking around and walking around and wondering about, and tonight just may be the night that you say, okay, it starts with Jesus tonight. So you can pray this prayer along with me, simple prayer. God, I acknowledge what I've done. I'm aware of how it hasn't measured up. I acknowledge the sin in my life that separates me from you. And I accept your gift of grace for me tonight. I accept what you have done for me for all that I have done. 
and I thank you that there is nothing I can do to earn that, but that it's freely offered to me right now through Jesus. And so I choose to begin that relationship with you right now, a grace-based relationship. I pray that you would help me, guide me and direct me into the life that you have created for me. I pray that it would begin right now. And I know that you are actually filling me up right now, even as I pray, with new life. And God, I thank you for that prayer being prayed. I thank you for the reality that just like that, we can enter into a new life with you. That the greatest thing we can do this year is to literally have a new life with you. Grace-based life with you. And I pray that that would increase, God, that we would truly have the courage to trust you and to receive your gift of grace and that we would freely be able to offer it to others. Awaken in us the reality of grace, our daily dependence on it, and the availability that you've made of it to us through Jesus. Awaken our hearts right now, God, and center them on you. We pray in your name. Amen.